One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. What an awesome time of worship, and I'm so glad that even in this season, as we are separated physically, that we can encounter the presence of God. And, you know, there's something about worship that uh, lifts our spirits in the presence of God. The Bible says this, that in His presence there is fullness of joy. And so I want to encourage you uh, every Sunday and really every day uh, that we make it a practice to enter into the presence of God through worship as we have this morning. And so I hope wherever you're at today, whether you're uh, gathered in a house church gathering across the city, uh, whether you're at home gathered with your family or friends or neighbors, or maybe you're just watching on your own, but I hope wherever you're at, you sense the presence of God in that place today. And I believe if there's ever been a time that we need the presence and the power of God in our lives. It is today. Uh, you, you know, we need it all the time. We need Him all the time, but especially as we are in this difficult season. And I want to share with you a message today out of the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, if you're taking notes uh, or even just mental notes today, I'm calling this message, There's a Miracle in the House. There's a Miracle in the House. And uh, full disclosure, I'm stealing that message title from one of my spiritual heroes, Tommy Barnett, who years ago spoke a message by that title that impacted my heart. And uh, this week I've just had that phrase in my heart, there's a miracle in the house. And so I don't know where you're at right now, but I I want you to know that with the presence of God, there is the potential for a miracle, regardless of what your circumstances are, when Jesus is in the house, anything is possible. And I want to look at a story out of 2 Corinthians, uh, not 2 Corinthians, 2 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 4 today, that is the story of a person that experiences the miraculous. The context of this story is that Israel uh, has been fighting wars with all of the enemies surrounding them, and now even The uh, nation of Moab, who had been their ally, now has turned against them. And the the whole nation is under siege. It's a difficult time in the nation of Israel. And here in 2 Kings chapter 4, we find the account of a precious woman of God that loves God, but finds herself in a difficult moment. She's lost her husband and now is a widow. And I want to read out of this passage in 2 Kings chapter 4. It says this, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing but, the, but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, 
Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons live on the rest. What an incredible, miraculous story. Here we find this woman in a, a place of difficulty, really in a place of, uh, of desperation and bordering on the place of death. It seems as she's lost her husband, it seems now that her family, what remains of it will be torn apart as her husbands are taken uh, as payment for her debts. And she's in this desperate place and cries out to the prophet Elisha. And as we read, God moves miraculously on her behalf. But I think it's so important to recognize really that many of us today can be in that same place as this precious widow lady was. We can find ourselves in that place of difficulty that leads us into desperation that ultimately feels like perhaps the only thing left is death. Maybe it's not physical death, but maybe the death of our dreams, the death of our purpose and what we have believed God for. I want you to notice who this lady's husband was. She had lost her husband, and the Bible says that her husband was one of the sons of the prophet. The uh, historian jo Josephus tells us that her husband was likely Obadiah the prophet. In other words, we could say it this way. She was married to the prophetic revelation of God's purpose. I, I believe that was symbolic, that it wasn't just her husband, but she was married to the purpose of God. And now what she had once been married to, she seems to have lost forever, losing out on the purpose of God. Oftentimes we can find ourselves in that place where perhaps at one time we feel that God gave us a, a word, a dream, a vision, a calling. But now perhaps through circumstances, that dream, that calling, that prophetic revelation or destiny seems to be gone. But I'm glad to tell you that that was at the end of the story. And really that's the whole story of the gospel. That out of difficulty, God can bring us into a, a moment of the miraculous. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 1 verse 2 that we are to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, when we go through difficult circumstances, nothing is wasted in God's plan for our lives. This moment that we are in right now of difficulty and perhaps desperation, maybe you started out the year with great plans as we all did. I mean, if there was ever a year to have great vision, it was 2020. But of course, little did any of us know what this year had in store for us. But I'm glad to tell you that nothing is wasted in God's plan for our lives. 
Nothing's wasted in God's plan for our church. Maybe there's things that have happened that now make you feel like you've lost that vision, that dream, that prophetic revelation that God had given to you. But I'm glad to tell you that the distance between that purpose that you believe that God had for you, that calling and destiny that He had for your life, the distance between that and your present circumstances is the potential for a miracle. And I believe just as it was for this woman, it can be for every one of us that there can be a miracle in our house, that the moment that we're in can be a miraculous moment, a miraculous opportunity for God to break into our circumstances. And I want to look at three things that Elisha said to this uh, precious woman as she's in this desperate place that I believe give us uh, keys of understanding of how to experience the miraculous in the moment that we're in. The first thing I want you to see is that Elisha said to her, Elisha, I believe, represents the restoration of prophetic purpose, where she seemed to have lost her prophetic purpose. Now Elisha has come as the prophet and it is restored back into her life, the voice of God. And listen to what he says to her. The first thing he says to her is, tell me, what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? She says, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Do you hear how she's really overlooking and minimizing the very thing that God will use to bring a miracle into her life. Oftentimes throughout Scripture, we see that when God works a miracle, it often begins with what we have. Think about Moses. When God calls him to deliver Israel out of Egypt, God says to him, what do you have in your hand? He said, God, it's just a rod. It's just a stick. God said, throw it down, and God manifested His miraculous power through Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. Think with me about the story in the Gospels when Jesus calls the disciples to feed the 5,000, a, a feat that they certainly felt inadequate to do. God said, Jesus says to them, what do you have? And they said, we only have uh, two fish and five loaves, but what are they among so many? But that was the very thing that God would use to multiply, to meet the need of their moment. You see, when you put what you have into the hands of Jesus, all you have is all you need. When you put what you have, that little bit that you have, be it a rod, be it a, no, be it a, a couple of fish and loaves, be it a little bit of oil. But when you put what you have into the hands of Jesus, what you have is all you need. The Bible says it this way, that He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. You may not have all you want, but you do have all you need to fulfill all that God has called you to. You see, in this passage, we see really a kingdom principle, and it's the principle of potential. The principle of potential. And that is that everything that God does starts with a seed. It starts with something small. It starts with something that seems inadequate, insignificant, that other people would overlook. 
but that's the very thing that God uses to manifest his power. Jesus said it this way, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea. A mustard seed, if you have a mustard seed, it doesn't feel like much. It doesn't look like much. It certainly doesn't seem like something that could move a mountain, but that's all that God needs. All you have is all God needs. So many times we look at what we don't have rather than recognizing the potential of what we do have. I love what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's encouraging them in their giving. It's really a passage of Scripture that now has influenced the, the church of Jesus Christ regarding to, in regards to generosity. But he says this, that, that if there's first a willing mind, it will be accepted according to what one does have and not according to what one doesn't have. In other words, God never holds us accountable for what we don't have, but what we do have, because all we have is all we need to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. And he said to her, what do you have? She said, all I have is a little bit of oil. I want to tell you today, you may feel like all you have is a little bit of oil. You may feel like it's not enough. It's barely enough for you to survive, let alone for you to live a life of purpose and destiny and impact in the world. But I want you to know that if you have just a little bit of oil, that there can be a miracle in your house. If you're faithful with what you have, God will do what you can't do. You see, oftentimes fear brings us into survival mode, but faith puts us into sowing mode, that we begin to use the seed that God's put in our hands. The scripture says this, that God gives us bread to eat and seed to sow. The problem is oftentimes when we minimize the thing that God has put in our hands, we end up eating the seed rather than sowing it. We begin to live just for ourselves rather than giving and being a blessing to others. God called her to recognize the potential of what she had, that that was what he was going to use to fulfill the purpose and work a miracle in her life. The first thing I want you to see is that a miracle always begins with what you have The second thing I want you to look at, this statement from Elisha to this woman as she's in this desperate place, he said to her in verse 3, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. In other words, he's saying, I want you to go out, you go knock on the doors of all of your neighbors, and I want you to recruit some helpers. I want you to go gather, look at what it says. I want you to gather the empty vessels. You see, oftentimes when we're in a moment of lack or a moment of difficulty, we don't want to be around empty vessels. We want somebody that can give us what we feel like we need. We want them to be our source. But here, the the, the prophet says to her, go look for empty vessels. You see, God is always looking for empty vessels. He's always looking for things that other people would overlook. Think with me even about Jesus' own disciples. He didn't choose the most educated. He didn't choose the most elite. He didn't choose the most qualified. He chose the ones that others would overlook. He chose empty vessels. 
Why? Because Jesus is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for people that would say, even in their emptiness, God, I'm willing to be used by you. God, I'm willing to be a part of a miracle. And maybe it's not even my own miracle. Maybe you're not going to do it for me. Maybe you're going to do it through me for somebody else. But I'm willing to be a part. You see, in this story, we see another kingdom principle, and that's the principle of partnership. The principle of partnership. That what God uh, does in you is ultimately so that he could bless others through you. Or we could say it this way, your miracle is not just about you. Your miracle begins with what you have, but your miracle is never just about you. Think with me about the story in the Gospels with uh, Jesus tells Peter to launch out into the deep in Luke chapter 5 and let down his nets and he, he, he catches this miraculous catch of fish. And let's not forget that for Peter, this was a financial miracle. Uh, don't forget that he was a fisherman and he had been fishing all night. He had not caught anything. This was a full-blown recession. And Jesus says, launch out. And as he begins to obey Jesus, he becomes uh, so overwhelmed with fish that he's got to call his other friends. He's got to call some partners in. Why? It's the principle of partnership that what God does through you is to bless other people. It's to bless other people. This is what God said to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. It's been said that if God can get it through you, God can get it to you. And this miracle that was worked wasn't just a blessing for this a widow lady, it didn't just solve her problem. It really solved the problem of the community. You see, everybody that had an empty vessel was another person in lack, another person in need, another person that didn't have what they needed. It was an empty vessel. And so this miracle became a blessing, not just for her, but it became a blessing uh, through her to those around her. And I believe that God wants every one of us to, to recognize the potential of partnership to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Our purpose will never be accomplished in isolation. It's always uh, accomplished in partnership. Jesus always sent them out two by two. And I believe that's true for every single one of us, that our miracle is not just about me. It's about me fulfilling God's purpose and being a blessing to the world around me. So he says, what do you have in your house? Then he says, go gather the jars. Go get your neighbors involved. If we were to use uh, modern day terms, we would say they formed a partnership. They went into the oil business together in partnership. And then the third thing I want you to see is he says this in verse four, he says, and when you come in, shut the door behind you and your sons. Listen to this. Then pour it out. Once you've gathered the vessels, once you've made the preparations, you take what you have and you begin to use what you have. You begin to put action to it. The third thing that I want you to see 
is that your miracle requires action. Your miracle requires action. Uh, you see, she the, the miracle didn't happen uh, just while she's waiting for it. She could have had the theology of uh, abundance. She could have sang Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. She could have sang it till she's blue in the face. She could have had a prayer meeting and called the intercessors and all of those things are important to do. But ultimately, the miracle happened when she acted, when she took action. You see, we are called to take preparations. We're called to be faithful in, in, in a season of preparation. But there comes a time for every single one of us when God calls us to act. The oil didn't just bubble up and flow over into the other vessels. She had to act. Reminds me of the story in Luke 17 when Jesus is approached by 10 lepers. And they want to be cleansed. They want to be healed. They need a miracle from Jesus. And Jesus actually doesn't say, be healed. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. In other words, take some action. And the Bible says that they were healed as they went. In other words, as they took action, the power of God was manifest in their situation. We often don't experience the power of God because we sit around waiting for God to do what God has told us to do. You see, the principle of faith that, that the kingdom of God operates by does not remove us from responsibility. The, the book of James says it this way, that faith without works is dead. I love what Reinhard Bonnke said, that those who are infinitely seeking God's will will be run over by those who are doing God's will. And here this lady activates her faith by pouring out the oil. And as she poured, as she took action, there was a miracle released. Maybe for some of us, we've been waiting for God. Maybe for some of us, we've been praying for things. And maybe God is saying, would you just step out? Would you do what I've called you to do? Would you start the business that I've put in your heart? Would you step out in the ministry that I've called you to? Would you uh, take this step, step into the dream that I've called you to? And the circumstances around you may not look like it's the right moment, but that may be the very moment that God is calling you to act. And I, I believe for every one of us today, regardless of our circumstances, that God is with us that God is for us, and that God wants to work a miracle in our house, in our lives, in our situation. I don't know about you today or where you're at, your walk with the Lord, but I, I want you to know God is for you. He's not against you. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. He is with you. The Bible says this, that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And so I want to pray for you today. And perhaps there's some of you that maybe you, uh, you, you need to begin to see the potential in what you have. Maybe you need to begin to see the potential 
in the job that you're currently in. Maybe it's not everything that you've dreamed of, but it's where God has you right now. And you need to begin to see the potential in that job. Maybe some of you need to begin to recognize the partnerships that God has given to you. You need to recognize that your destiny, your calling, your purpose will never be fulfilled alone. In part, that's one reason why the body of Christ, the church, is so important. As I shared with you last week, that we can't allow this season of distancing to become a season of disconnection. Imagine if this lady had not been able to gather anything from her neighbors, she would have been limited in her capacity. And our capacity expands when we connect with other people in the body of Christ. And so maybe you've been isolating. Maybe God's calling you to step into a place of partnership, build relationships, use your gift with other people. Or maybe for you, you just need to take a step of action. I want to pray today that God would give you faith, that God would give you courage and boldness to do what he's called you to do, that as you step out, that you will experience a miracle in your house. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for every single person. God, I thank you for every person who's listening to my voice, whether they're watching in their house church, whether whether they're watching with their family at home, whether they're on their own, maybe out for a run, maybe driving, listening to the podcast. And God, I thank you that even in this season of difficulty, God, that you have not left us, that you are with us, you are for us. And Father, I thank you that you are a miracle working God. And I pray right now, Lord, let there be a release of prophetic revelation into our hearts, God. Those that feel that they have lost that sense of holy expectation. God, I pray that there would be a uh, a restoration of their vision today, God. Help us to see that all we have is all we need to fulfill your purpose for our lives. God, help us to, to, to engage in partnership. God, help us to learn to be a blessing. Father, maybe it's just walking across the street to our own neighbors. God, to no longer overlook the relationships that you've given to us. God, maybe you're calling us to take a step of action today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us faith. And God, you would give us the boldness to step out, Father, that we would be people of faith. Lord, thank you that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we respond to this message, Father, as we meditate on this message, that you would speak to us, lead us and guide us, Lord, work miracles in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we're so glad that we can be together even in this season. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching on your own, we'd love to include you in one of our house church gatherings. If you're together with some other people, whether it's in a house church gathering or at home, I want to encourage you just to take some time now to meditate on the word, just to discuss it together, to talk about what God is speaking to you through this season. And I believe that God is going to work a miracle even in this moment. In Jesus' name, thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to talking to you soon.